This is uh, page care theory three, unit two, part one, dysrhythmias, and we're doing a second set of exercises, starting with uh, ECD exercise number seven. So, uh, without going through the details, who wants to give me the interpretation, the rhythm and rate, and then the FLBs? Anybody? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah. Uh, sine stack with a rate of 130. Sine stack with a rate of 130. Anyone disagree with that? Sine stack with a rate of 130. No one disagrees with that? Stand by here. And anyone know what this artifact is called? Yeah, Lucas? Nope. Well, it's not what it's called, but no, it's uh, just called a wandering baseline. And uh, you'll see that with uh, <coughs> when you put electrodes on someone who's really sweaty and the electrodes slide just a little bit, you'll get a uh, wandering baseline. Or if um, some electrodes come with a gel in the center that's mushy, yeah, it's actually that. wet, <laughs> and the gel, if the gel spreads onto the adhesive part of the electrode, you can get a wandering baseline. <coughs> so you got to be careful with that. So when you put it on the skin, you make sure you uh, maybe put on the adhesive uh, without pushing in the middle, you know, squeezing the raspberry jam out of it. <coughs> so it's just a wandering baseline. So I got 120, but 130 is fine. Uh, okay, how about number eight? Who would like to, uh, without details, just interpret number eight? Yeah, Kyle? Sinus exit block with a rate of 53. Okay, it's not a sinus exit block and can't be a sinus exit block. Why can it not be a sinus exit block? Anyone tell me why it can't be a sinus exit block? More than what? More than one cycle lost. Okay. Yeah, so sinus exit block, there's a single cycle lost, and the next beat falls exactly in the sequence. And just let me say this again sinus exit block is a unicorn. You will never see it on a test. I've never seen it in my entire life. I had to hand draw it. So it looks similar, but it's a sinus arrest. So it's a sinus arrest or sinus pause, same thing. And um, what else is important when you're describing a sinus arrest or sinus pause? Yeah, Kendra? Uh, you have to state how long the pause is. How long is the pause, yeah, and what else? Yeah, Brianna? The underlying rhythm. The underlying rhythm, yeah, which I think you did. Uh, and what else? Do you mean like I mean for reporting, for not not on a test so much, but for reporting someone with sinus arrest. Yeah, John? Yeah, good. So we want to know the underlying rhythm. We want to know how long the pauses, uh, how, how frequent the pauses are, how long the pauses are, and are they symptomatic with the pauses? Right? You guys got that? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's. I see. So, what's the answer, right? They don't know about it. Got it right. 
Yeah, but the most important part we just talked about. It's okay. You guys are busy fighting. You guys are busy fighting over French fries. <laughs> okay, number nine. I may have to separate. You know, you, we've gotten through almost two years. I may have to separate the two of you before the end of the <gasps> semester. Do you really, really think that's okay? Yes. We'll go. We'll go. It could actually be healthy. You know, we could stage an intervention. <laughs> Well, it's funny how the rest of the class is sort of smiling in agreement with me. That's, <laughs> that's the best part. They, you know, they're going, yeah, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Okay. <coughs> Strip number nine. I feel like I just laughed like a heavy smoker. <coughs> it's a man cold. Okay. Strip numero neuf. Who would like to interpret this one? <laughs> I don't like this one. I don't. I oh. didn't get it, so I don't like. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about it because it's it's not as difficult as it seems. Uh, Kyle. Okay. So AFib with a heart rate of between seventy nine and one fifty. Uh, okay. Anyone else give it? That's good. Anyone else get a different range? That's good. Anyone else get a different range? Range. Anyone else get a different heart rate range? It's a rough day. Anyone else get a different heart rate range? I know you did. Don't just sit there. Like, raise your hand and tell me what you got. What's that? I didn't hear what everyone else got. 79 to 150, 80 to 120. What did you get? Okay, anyone else get something different? Okay, so a little bit about AFib. Now, 80 to 150 is kind of pushing the boundaries. Um, generally, you want to get a range that is, it's acceptable, but generally you want to get a range that's representative of the whole strip. So avoid measuring the heart rate based on the two closest R waves and the two furthest R waves. Uh, and I don't think that's the case for yours, but um, uh, something that's more or less representative. So. Um, the bottom line is I'm extremely flexible when it comes to heart rate range when you describe AFib, unless you describe a range of AFib with a ventricular response of between 30 and 210. That's just not going to cut it. And the reason it's not going to cut it is, is simply because when you're reporting this, um, it, you know, as a nurse or a physician, it tells me nothing. Like, if the patient's sick, I want to know are they sick because of their AFib and because their AFib is too slow or too fast. Giving that kind of a range tells me absolutely nothing. Like, uh, but if the range is mostly in the, let's say, 130 to 180 range, that tells me, okay, that's too fast. And that's a patient who's probably sick because they're excessively tachycardic. So you want to give a, in the real world, you want to check for pulse for 30 seconds, not 15 with AFib. Uh, but for a range, something reasonable. Now, how do you know it's AFib? The real simple rule is like, context is always helpful. If you've got an older patient with this rhythm, it's probably AFib because AFib is the most common rhythm in the elderly. But number one, there are no clearly discernible P waves. And you have to, if you have to look at it and go, could that be a P wave? Not sure. Then that meets the squint rule. And the squint rule, rule means if you have to squint, it doesn't exist. And number two, it's irregularly irregular. So no clearly discernible P waves, and it's irregularly irregular. There's no rhythmicity to it. That's classic AFib, right? 
classic APIP. So it seems like a bit of a pain in the ass to interpret it first, but it's really not. All right, number 10. Mm. Now, number 10 was a uh, red herring. I threw this at you just for fun. <coughs> but um, if you go through the basic interpretation steps, <coughs> it's not too bad. I should do this every class. <laughs> Who wants to interpret this one? Watch, the president will walk by right now. <laughs> oh, Terrio, you lazy bastard. Sitting with your feet up on the table. Uh, sorry, I want to get someone else, Kyle, because I've gotten you twice now. Uh, yeah, Riley. Okay. Anyone get anything different? Kendra's nodding her head in agreement. The rest of you agree? Yeah. So the ST elevation, uh, you're right, but I wouldn't say it. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So you're right. It stays in your head. We don't report it. Uh, we don't document it because you're looking just at a lead uh, a rhythm lead and that's it so you can't be certain that in fact there is ST segment elevation because it's not calibrated properly the way a 12 lead is so in your head you'd be saying this is sinus rhythm of ST elevation I better do a 12 lead ECG but I can tell you for example there's one monitor on the market I won't name the monitor but there's one monitor in the market which classically and frequently shows you ST elevation and lead to like clear ST elevation two three millimeters and then you do a 12 lead and there's zero ST elevation so unless you're looking at a 12 lead all this does is it prompts you prompts you to go well better check a 12 lead all right so um, what about the QRS is it wide or narrow I don't expect you to know the answer but what do you think what's that Probably narrow, yeah, yeah. So because you've got ST elevation above the baseline, you really can't tell if it's narrow or wide, but if the ST elevation was down at the baseline, it'd probably be narrow, narrow. So really all you can say about this is it's a sinus rhythm with a heart rate of 85, and I better do 12 lead. But that's your inner voice saying, better do 12 lead. Because <coughs> you can't look at this and show your partner and go, oh, the guy's infarcting. You just can't, because uh, monitoring leads are not uh, calibrated for that, yeah. Um, I actually don't want anything um, but so if you see uh, ECGs on a test and you're asked to interpret them you can write whatever you want like if you need for your own benefit to write down the PR interval and whatever and, and all I care about is that it's equal to less than 0.20 to answer your question but uh, you can write down whatever you want but under interpretation all I want to see is sinus rhythm heart rate of 85 and a PVC or something like just the the rhythm, the rate, the FLB, that's it. Like nothing else, right? Uh, but sometimes people make the mistake of under interpretation, they start writing out the QRS duration and the PR interval, and I can't give points for that because that's not, that's not an interpretation, that's an analysis, right? So the analysis comes first, and you can do it in the margin of the test or whatever just for your own benefit, but under the interpretation, just write the rate, the rhythm, the FLBs. Okay? Okay. You guys got that? Good. Okay. 
Okay, 15. This is a good one. This is a tricky one. Uh. Yeah. Genevieve? I thought it was like an easy block to Perfect. So second degree block type two, rate of 33, um, and two to one conduction ratio. Good. Excellent. You, now, if you, don't, if you don't document the conduction ratio, I'm fine with that. Like if it's two to one or three to one or four to one, you don't, you don't document. To me, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, the most important part is it's a second degree block type two, and the heart rate is 33. That's, that's all that's important. Now, this is kind of a funny one because <coughs> this was a, a patient I actually had. And what's funny is, uh, uh, so let me, let me take a step back. So could this be third degree AV block? Could you argue it's a third degree AV block? Do the P waves march through? Maybe. Okay. So, so a couple things. Um, people have looked at this rhythm and they thought, oh, this looks like a third degree V block. If you map out the P waves, um, they're all equidistant. But some people ha thought that maybe this little blip here on the QRS is a P wave as well. Um, but um, in a third degree AV block, you will never ever see a consistent PR interval. But this one has a consistent PR interval. See where the P wave is associated with the QRS? That interval there is identical to this interval here, is identical to this interval here, and would be identical to the next one and the next one. You, you don't see that in a third degree AV block. And therefore, it has to be a second degree AV block type two. The other thing about this little blip here, and I chose this particular lead, I can't remember whether it was lead V2 or what it was, but I chose this particular lead because um, this blip here looks like it could be a P wave. But if you looked in an other lead, what you would see is that this actually looks more like this. You know, it's more pronounced. So it's, in other leads, it's clearly not a P wave, right? Uh, but, you know, in these rhythms, the P waves will be equidistant just the way they are in a third degree V block, except that um, in a third degree V block, there'd be no consistent PR interval. And here, the PR interval here is exactly the same as the one here, is exactly the same as the one here, and so on. So, so that's second degree AV block type two. And yep, there's a P wave there, and a P wave there. And this is a T wave, not a P wave. And that's it. And um, if you had someone in a second degree AV block type two, um, how likely are they to be hemodynamically unstable? Would you say low, medium, or high probability? So 33 is really low. So medium to high. Yeah, medium to high probability. And um, from your advanced skills theory class, 
what are the treatment options for this bradycardic dysrhythmia? So transcutaneous pacing would be the treatment of choice. Atropine is an option, but atropine is not typically effective in secondary baby block type 2. So, good. Okay, that's it.